everybody. Glad you guys are, are here to uh, worship with us uh, today. Uh, we are wrapping up our series uh, called Questions for Jesus, and we launched this uh, on Easter. And just like the title of the series expresses, it's kind of a, a conversation that we've been having, asking Jesus questions and allowing him to answer based on the things that, that he said uh, in the scriptures. And so what we've tried to do is really look at some of the questions that most people, uh, all of us, we, we wrestle with, things that kind of we've heard about, we've thought about, but maybe we just don't know the answers. And so uh, we began the series looking at Jesus himself, uh, because if we're asking him questions, what, what makes him so unique to be able to answer them? And so we looked at who is he? Is he just a moral teacher? Is he God? What, what does the Bible have to say and what does Jesus have to say about his own identity? Uh, we then looked at the idea of how do you kind of experience the good life that God has, not only here and now, but what about eternal life after you die? Like what happens after you die? And is there only one way to be with God forever? And so we actually looked at the idea of eternity and what Jesus had to say about that. And then last week, we looked at the authority of the Bible itself, because if we're trying to find answers from the Bible, a good question to ask is, can the Bible be trusted? Uh, is the Bible true? Uh, does it contain things that actually I can build my life on, or is it just mere opinion or, or facts? And so uh, all those really lead kind of this understanding of what do we do and grapple with kind of the questions uh, the big questions that we, that we have in life. And today uh, is, is actually an even bigger question that, that many of us deal with. Um, not bigger in its importance, but certainly something that we, we've all felt. And it's really that the idea of, of evil and pain and suffering. And there's a question that I think people have been asking for years and years and years. And that is, Okay, if you talk about God and you talk about eternity, you talk about his existence in the world, then why in the world that we now live in can we experience pain and suffering and evil? And how, how can there be a God if this is real and if this exists? And for all of us, it's something that, that we, we feel personally. Uh, we see it uh, in those that we relate to. And just even in the news, I don't know if you've heard, you probably have, but just the, the terrible earthquake in Nepal and you see uh, the suffering of people and the avalanche on Everest and, and the deaths of people and you just begin to question, man, why, why, is, why is this happening and, and what do we do? What do we do with just the, the pain that, that you see in the world? And it can become a thing if, if you're watching the news or you read the newspapers or even as you talk to coworkers, it becomes a thing that it can just pull you into despair. Why do things happen? And usually there's two signs. It's usually why does bad things happen to good people or why does good things happen to bad people? And we try to wrestle with just what to do with this suffering and sometimes this tension that we can't seem to kind of have slack and it just seems like it pulls at us. And so today's message is something that uh, probably you, you've thought about. You've had conversations with others about and there's just kind of this tension that exists. And so Today, as you talk about pain or as I talk about pain and suffering and, and evil, there's really not this kind of cookie cutter response that just fits neatly into a box. Anytime you deal with suffering and pain, um, it's something that's very real. And it's something that there's not just an answer that kind of solves or takes away the pain that we feel. And so today's message isn't about how to not experience pain anymore. 
Because for you and I, it's still going to be reality as long as we're here on earth. We'll experience pain. We may experience loss. We may experience evil done to us. We may be evil to others. And so this is reality and attention that's going to exist as long as we have breath here on this earth. So in spite of that, I kind of want to take a step back and not look at necessarily why this is and what to do, but kind of why are, why are we here? Why is this attention that, that, that we have to, to deal with? And so if, if you're new to Church in the Valley, we have a listening guide inside your program. I encourage you to pull that out. This helps you to follow along. We also have the scriptures on the screen so you can read those as well. But I want to take a step back and, okay, well, how can this God who's loving... Or who's in control? How, how can he still exist despite the fact that it seems like the world is spiraling out of control? And that's the question we're looking at today. Usually, uh, this question has two sides to it. There's the intellectual side of it. It's rational. Like, how can this be true? How can something like God, who if he is the creator and if he is all powerful, how can God, who's loving still allow this to happen. So there's just this intellectual side. It just doesn't seem like it makes sense. Then there's the emotional side, which is, as we're wrestling with that, why do I have to experience this pain? Or why does somebody close to me have to experience loss, death, and disease? And so both really pull at us, whether it's in our mind or whether it's in our heart. There's a sense in which it just, again, affects us to the core. And so I kind of want to take a step back and, and really define, well, what, what, what is good and evil? Because defining that helps us to know the categories that we deal with and, and also the reality that, that we live in. And so good is really defined like this, that which brings favorable things. When we say something's good, it's favorable. We, we enjoy it. And I think all of us would say, that's the kind of life I want. I know I would. I want the good life. I want things that are favorable to happen to me. I want things that are favorable to happen to those I care about and those I love. But the evil is the opposite of that. It's that which causes harm. But you see, you can only really define evil by also defining good. Because evil can't exist without good. Just like tooth decay. If you have a tooth decay and you've got a tooth that's really giving you some problems, well, there's no tooth decay unless the tooth exists. Or if you're dealing with this plant and all of a sudden it's got fungus on it and it's about to die, that the fungus doesn't exist unless the plant's there. So there's a sense in which as you deal with evil, you also have to realize good. And this is where you begin to think, well, okay, well then if there is good and there's evil, then how, how is sometimes good things happening and how is sometimes bad things happening? And it can just kind of put your mind in a swirl. But as you define good and evil, it gets you to the point where you, you have to kind of weigh, well, okay, well, what do I do? What do I do with this? And so good and evil really point to the fact that there has to be the good way or there has to be like the way things are meant to be. If we were just in like an evolutionary process, then evil is just the result of a bunch of things happening. And it just happened because it was supposed to happen. But if there's a God, then there's good and evil, and we have to find him in the midst of this. And this is really the journey we're on today. How do we, in the midst of these things, the way things are supposed to be, but the way things are, how, how do we deal with that? And that's kind of the point where we look to God. And we have to figure out, what do we do with him? What do we do with 
this God who is in control, but at the same time, all these things happen. There's actually two types of evil that we see and that we experience. Okay, the, the first type of evil is moral evil. This is harm done by free creatures. Free creatures meaning harm done by your choice. Okay, um, moral evil is when you see people harming another. And because of their choice, it causes pain. Uh, sometimes it's minor, sometimes it's major. Uh, this is from saying something to somebody that cuts them right to the heart. That, that can be evil to the person that takes another person's life. But moral evil is I'm using my free choice to inflict harm on you, whether it's emotional or whether it's physical. That's moral evil. Moral evil exists because of free choice. We're going to get to that a little bit later. Then there's natural evil. Natural evil is a little bit harder to chew on. Natural evil really refers to things like earthquakes, floods, disease, This is where you kind of see the world around you falling apart. Like when you get the news of the the devastation in Nepal, you're you're trying to come to grips with just the sense of loss, the sense of pain that all these people are experiencing because of something that happened in the world. Now, moral evil and natural evil are connected. And we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but because of the free choice that people have, that actually has caused kind of the natural decay of our world to exist. So if you ever get to the point where you just are looking at things and things are falling apart, whether it's with the people that you love or you're, you're just looking around you and it seems like nothing is going as it should and that leads to kind of this frustration or it leads to this sadness or sometimes this anger, sometimes just this, just you're at, just I don't have any answers. That's usually the experience you have when you see this suffering that exists, whether it's caused by people or whether it's caused by the world around us. But moral evil and natural evil are different, but they still inflict the same amount of pain a lot of times. There still can be devastation, loss, and all around worlds just turned upside down. And so it begs the question, where is, where is God? I don't know if you've asked that. I know I've asked that. Just where is God in this? Or what is God doing in this? Is he here? Is he seeing Is he far off? Did he miss this? And these are questions that we ask as we deal with the pain that we experience or those that experience around us. So it begs the question a lot of times, has God turned away? Is he here? Now, if we're going to actually ask the questions to Jesus, then it'd be good to find out what he said. Well, Jesus actually didn't remove himself from the pain and suffering that people experienced. He actually drew near to people. And he actually acknowledged the reality of evil. Uh, in his ministry, he was trying to teach people about how to pray. And he actually said, you know, you need to pray to deliver us from evil to God. You need to pray that God can deliver us from evil. So he recognized in his ministry and in the things that he did, and even his own life, he knew what suffering was. But he acknowledged it. And he gave some words to the people close to him as he saw kind of some of the pain that they were experiencing, some of the questions that left unanswered. And he says this in John 16. And this is really helpful. This kind of forms the foundation for what the rest of what I'm going to talk about today. John 16 says this. I've said these things to you. He's he's talking about his instructions for life, his teachings. 
I've explained to you the way things are. I've explained kind of how God works. I've explained what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to live. So he's saying, I, I've, I've given you all this, that in me you have peace. So ultimately he's saying, I, I wanted to show you the way to live. So in me you have peace. Then he goes on, in the world you will have tribulation. That word tribulation just means just lots and lots of trouble and pain and suffering. It's just a, a wide array of things that you experience. So there's reality. In the world, in your life, you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. So Jesus, he, he didn't just sugarcoat this reality. Which sometimes there's a sense in which as we're dealing with God and kind of his role in this, we're like, does he care about this stuff? We can ask, does, he, does he care about this? And what Jesus is saying is, yeah. He's saying, I, in fact, I want to give you peace. And I want to help you overcome the pain and the suffering that you experience. And in fact, that's why I'm here. I want people to overcome this. Doesn't mean that you won't still feel the sting and pain, but you will not be crushed by it. That's what Jesus is saying. It will not crush you. I want to lift that weight off of you. So Jesus is showing us that God is actually intimately involved in this process. He's the opposite of being absent. He's right here. But in it, there's some things that we need to do and how we need to think. And so we're going to talk about that. So moral evil uh, is the result of free choice. I, I already stated that. And when you think about free choice, uh, the idea of freedom usually comes to mind. But this is something that God wired in to creation. When he created me and when he created you, he wanted us to be free, to choose. Now that seems like that's, that's a good idea. I, I appreciate that. I don't want to be a robot. I want freedom. You want freedom. But because of the fact that we had free choice, we had the freedom to choose to turn away from him. And that's exactly what happened. So when you go kind of to the first people in creation, Adam and Eve, they were given freedom. And God set a boundary in place. He gave them the, was this world to experience and to enjoy. But he gave them a boundary. Don't eat off of this tree. It represents just obey me and everything and, and don't do this. Well, they had freedom. And in their freedom, they chose to eat off the tree. And from that choice, that's when sin entered the world. And so as soon as sin entered, that's when all these problems begin to be experienced. And you see kind of the account of the scriptures again and again is how do we, in the midst of the sin that we choose ourselves, the sin that we experience from the choices of others, the fact that sometimes the world feels like it's falling apart, how do we kind of keep moving forward in life? And that's why the scriptures guide us. They, they give us this picture. This is what you do. This is what you should think. This is how you should act. So moral evil, it's come because of free choice. Now, when I was younger, I always had this frustration, like with Adam and Eve. And I don't know if you grew up in church or not. But when you look back and you think of history, like these two people ruined it for all of us. I don't know if you felt that. And I just, if I was Adam, I wouldn't have done it. 
you ever kind of felt that? You know, just, I would have just stayed away from the tree. The fact is, it really represents the fact that all of us with our choice, we would have done the same thing. And it's the reality. There's a cost to the free choice that God gave us. And it was that we could go our own way. And we did go our own way, and we do go our own way. We still kind of stubbornly resist wanting to follow God. It's just in us. That's what sin is. And so you see this in Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Now, here's the thing. When you experience pain and suffering, this doesn't mean you just kind of summarize it with, yeah, well, we all sinned. That's not really the answer that's helpful. But again, without free choice, it wouldn't exist. And so there's something to this free choice that we're going to talk about. Because that's something that's very valuable to God as he created us. So you get this, this free choice and you get this kind of morality and the evil and you can see it. I don't have to prove to anyone that evil is real. Do you ever get depressed like when you watch the news? I don't watch the news much anymore. But when I watch the news, sometimes it's like, it's unbelievable the things that you see. Or if you're on social media, just article after article of things and you, you get to a point where it sucks you in. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh my goodness, I'm so stressed out. You experience that? The world, it's falling apart. And then, like, you need to watch, like, a funny video, you know, just to kind of counter, right? And that's why you see the two. They're, they're, it's like either terrible news or funny videos. It kind of shows you this is how we deal with it. We just want to escape. But, man, evil is real. We see it. We experience it. Now, natural evil is the consequence of man's rebellion. Now, there's not a really a one-to-one ratio of how this works. And this is where sometimes people, they have just a real issue with trying to figure out tragedy that happens in the world. When a tragedy hits, a natural tragedy, you can't really say, well, that happened because somebody did this right here. It's not a one-to-one ratio. We don't know. But the fact is, the earth is no longer perfect because sin entered. And that was the result of Adam's sin. Cursed is the land. That's what God said. Cursed is the land. And so really, God created it and it was perfect and it was good. And there would be no earthquakes or no tsunamis or no problems. But sin entered and it's, it's decaying. It is. In the scriptures in Romans 8, it says this. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly. So there's an idea of the earth got messed up, not just because it's messed up. It got messed up because of man's choice. But because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So you get this picture. It's messed up. It wasn't supposed to be messed up. And it's not always going to be messed up. And then he goes on further, the author of this. He says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. So he's using an analogy. 
there's this pain in childbirth that exists for women. And that pain is is real. And what he's saying is there's a sense in which there's pain that exists, but just like once the baby's been delivered, the, the pain subsides. And the writer's point in the fact that there will be a time when things will be put back the way that they were supposed to be. It's not now. Because it's still in its decay. Because of the fact that sin entered. But there will be a time when all the pain and the groaning will no longer exist. It will, it will cease. But you get this picture of there's something to come that's not here and now. And that's part of what's so difficult. When you look at pain and suffering, it's the idea of when will this end? When will this stop? And that could be in your own life, that could be in the lives of others, or it could just be as you look around the world and you get depressed by all that's happening. So when, when will it end? So Jesus recognized this. He recognized that we were, we're dealing with this and there's this sense of tension. And so his words, take heart. I have overcome the world. He's saying that God is not absent. And in fact, God allows you in the midst of the things that you experience personally, in the midst of the brokenness of the world, he allows you to not be crushed by it. The weight is real. The burden is real. But God is a factor. And in fact, God wants to be involved. So I want to turn the corner a little bit since we've kind of looked at why evil exists. Then what is really God's role? And what you find in the scriptures again and again is this sense of the problem of sin and the pain that comes with it. But the good news of the scriptures is the pain and the problems is not the whole story. There's actually a solution and it's found in Jesus Christ himself. So it kind of goes back to the beginning at looking at Jesus. Even as you look through the lens of pain and suffering, there's a sense in which you have to decide what's Jesus' role in this. Is he a factor? How do I bring him into the lens of which I look through life in? And so Jesus himself is the answer to evil and suffering. Now, when you use the word the answer, that can kind of mean like, well, then evil and suffering is no longer real. No, evil and suffering will still be painful. And you can still experience loss. But again, it's coming from the point of it does not have to crush you. It does not have to cause you to be in a deep despair. It actually can cause you to experience that God is real. That's why Jesus came. There's a scripture which gives me a lot of hope. In 1 Peter, it says this. He himself, this is talking about Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree. Talking about the cross. That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Then check this out. By his wounds, you have been healed. So not only did Jesus recognize the reality of evil, he actually took suffering and was killed himself in his innocence, which is a tragedy. But he actually did that so we may be healed. We may not be crushed. 
So he, he's the answer. In the midst of the things that weigh on us and cause us to kind of doubt God is real or cause us to just live in fear or be in despair, Jesus is saying, I actually came to pull you above and to pull you out of the things that you experience. The pain will still be there. The sense of loss, emotionally, you have to deal with it over time. But by my wounds, you can find healing. The sacrifice I made gives you a chance to see what God can do over the course of a lifetime. So again, you get this kind of sense of he's pointing towards the future. There's things that God will do to make things right. His wounds heal. The word heal there, it's this to be made whole again. For everything to kind of, it's going to be okay. And that's kind of the sense I get as I experience loss in my life and those that I care about as they experience things, I just want things to be made whole again. And we say a phrase to people a lot, which is everything's going to be okay. Depending on where you are in the loss process or the suffering, you you don't want to hear that because you don't even know how that's going to happen. And it can seem trite, like everything's going to be okay. How can that be real? But that's the healing that only Jesus can bring. Because he's the only one that took the sin upon him. So we can be relieved of the weight of the evil that exists in me, in you, and on those around us, and in the brokenness of the world. Because you have to kind of take a step back and say, well, can I bear this weight myself and the tension that exists, or is God real? And so really the issue of pain and suffering comes back to the fact is, is God real? Is Jesus actually the one who can bring healing? Uh, There's an author that has written some books, and he's a Christian apologist. And he actually kind of came against Christianity, and he was a journalist. His name is Lee Strobel, and he decided he wanted to kind of build this case once and for all so people could know that Jesus wasn't real. Because he was just seeing kind of Christians, and he was thinking, let's just build a case. I'm going to put my investigative journalism hat on. I'm going to prove that it's not real. And so he began on this journey to kind of disprove Christianity in the midst of it. He actually became a Christian. And he writes a lot about Jesus and he writes a lot about the death on the cross and, and the Easter. And he's written some books that we've actually given away to guests. And he's making cases for how God is real, how he's the creator, how Jesus is God. And he said this in, in light of the backdrop of pain and suffering. And I think it's helpful. He says this, God's ultimate answer to our suffering isn't an explanation It's the incarnation. What God is saying is, you actually don't need words to relieve you from pain and suffering. Words actually can't help you, ultimately. What you need is, you need Jesus. You need somebody who's going to take that weight and bear it for you. That really captures it. That's right. Explaining it, it doesn't always work. But there's a point where do we look to Jesus. This is a process as we relate to people in pain and suffering. 
This is something we always have to keep. If you're a Christ follower, you're always trying to keep in the backdrop of your mind, what, how can I help them see that God loves them? God cares about them. They may, not, they may not need answers, but they need to know the presence of God is real. So there's just something about that. It takes away the sting. It's still there, but it takes away a little bit of the sting. Because in Jesus, we can actually find healing. I want to wrap up by just giving a little broader perspective of some biblical truths around evil and suffering. Again, this is kind of called the problem of pain in philosophy circles. Like, how do you deal with the problem of pain and good and evil and God in the midst of it? And it's something that just people are talking about, talking about, talking about, and you have classes on and books about. So this gives you just some, some reference points. And I'm not going to go over every scripture, but you can jot some of this down. It's on, it's on your handout as well. But here's kind of the framework to just give you a little bit broader context. Okay. Five truths from the Bible related to evil and suffering. And it's really how they put that in perspective. The first is God is not the creator of evil and suffering. Again, that's free choice. Now, the reason it's free choice is because of love. Love cannot be real and experienced unless it's a free choice. You ever thought about that? It's true. You can't force anybody to love you. And nobody can force you to love them. As soon as it's forced, it's no longer free choice. So in the backdrop of free choice and the evil that's come from it, you have to see that what is God's doing is he wants love to still be real. He wants love to exist. Now, I'm going to share this with you guys because I'm just going to open up my heart to you. Okay? So, <clears throat> this is a dog that I was given when I was six years old my parents and his name is crinkles and i slept with crinkles every night for a few years take a few however you want (laughs) and my parents got me a a dog bed because you know you need a place to sleep he got crinkles a bone because you know he needs to eat my favorite part is my mom got a little collar put his name on the back side put our address you know, if Crinkles gets lost, right? And so Crinkles was really important to me. But you know what? No matter how much I loved Crinkles, how much I said I love you, he never said it back. <laughs> he didn't. And that plastic bone that I wanted him to eat, he never did. And that bed I wanted him to be dirty in, he never was. He's not real. Now, I no longer sleep with crinkles, just in case you're wondering. And he's now in my kid's room. But this kind of represents an important kind of truth of God. And it's, he doesn't want to relate to a bunch of crinkles. He wants to relate to real people who have the freedom to choose whether they want to follow him or not. So as you deal with the problem of evil and the choices we have, what God is doing is he's actually giving us the freedom to choose him. And in that freedom, we can experience a love 
that can only come as you choose it. So he's not the creator of it. But he's using the free will ultimately as a risk. And one, one author says this, evil is inherent in the risky gift of free will. It was a risky gift that God gave us. But in the risk, what God is saying is love ultimately trumps it. Ultimately, love trumps evil. And that sounds so like fortune cookie, like you bust that open, you're like, yeah, that's right. And it doesn't take away the pain. But what you find is it's actually, it really is true. Because without free choice, there's no love. And we can't actually have a relationship with God, the only one that can help us. And so it has to exist. Uh, Number two, though suffering isn't good, God can use it to accomplish good. Now, I don't necessarily recommend when somebody you experience is facing something really hard, you say that. That doesn't help again. Because they don't want an explanation. They want healing. And healing takes time. But while you don't necessarily want to say that when somebody's in the midst of it, it is true. And only God can do this because he's God and he's all-powerful. And he knows exactly what he needs. Even the, the worst things that have happened, he has used it for good, as only God can. Even Jesus' sacrifice for us. Uh, a philosophy pr- professor at Villanova said this, At the time, nobody saw how anything good could ever result from this tragedy. He's talking about Jesus dying on the cross. And yet, God foresaw that the result would be the opening of heaven to human beings. So the worst tragedy in history brought about the most glorious event in history. So even in that, even in Jesus, the pain and suffering, again, came the healing. And that's how, that's how God works. And then here's kind of the future promise. This is number three. The day is coming when suffering will cease and God will judge evil. God is the ultimate judge. And if you've seen things happen around the world and you just get so frustrated and angry at how this can go on, God sits on the judgment seat. And he's given the authorities in the lands to exhibit judgment, but ultimately, judgment comes from him as people's lives are wrapped up. And he is loving and he is just. And he knows exactly how to balance those even when we don't. It's the idea of we're in the middle of the story. It's not been finished yet. And then number four, some more perspective. Our suffering, it will pale in comparison to what God has in store for those that follow him. Again, because why would you follow him if there's no future promise of hope? You're still in the same decay you experience now. Why would you follow him? But Romans 8.18 says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. It's a picture of eternity. It's a picture of what God's doing in the here and now as well. It's kind of like this. January 1st, we just had kind of the new year. On January 1st, if you had the worst day of your life, everything went bad. Your relationships are falling apart. Your car breaks down. You lose your job. And you think, this is the worst day of my life. 
Now, if your life ended on January 1st, that could very well be the worst day of your life. How was your year? Well, it was just one day and it was the worst day of my life. It was terrible. But if January 2nd through December 31st were amazing, is that year still the worst year you've ever experienced? Probably not. What happens is oftentimes we experience things in the here and now. And Bible puts it in perspective, this is just a blip. So sometimes the pain and loss that we feel, what the scripture is saying is the glory that awaits the people that follow Jesus and do life his way, it'll make it seem like that, was, that wasn't as terrible and awful as it seemed. Because as you're spending a thousand years and more in eternity where everything is perfect and everything is right, you now have a different lens to look through. That's why you need faith. Because you have to trust that the future that awaits, eternity with God where everything is made new again, everything is made whole, where healing is real, you have to trust that that exists. That's why Christians, we should be people full of hope. And that leads to the last point. This is for all of us. We all decide whether to turn bitter or turn to God for peace and courage. The reason this is called the problem of pain because it really is a problem. It hurts. It's real. And what can tend to happen is we can just turn away, try to figure it out on our own, and leave God out of our thoughts, out of our conclusions. And that can actually lead to a real bitterness and despair. Or you could see that, okay, there there must be something that, that I don't understand. There might be something going on that I don't see. And in the midst of that, as you ask questions and you look to God for some of the answers, you can experience the peace and courage that Jesus promised in John 16, 33. You'll see it there again on the screen. I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Take heart, take courage. I have overcome the world. And so I want to encourage you, if, if you are a Christ follower and you experience pain and you may be experiencing it right now, God wants to use you in the lives of people that relate to you to show them that that God's real. That's one of the things he does. As you choose peace in Jesus and courage to face the things that you have on your plate, you're showing people that God is real. They may not say that. They may not even know how to put that into words. But as you choose to trust in the Lord Jesus with whatever you face, You're living a story. And they're watching it. So take heart. Talk to people that can encourage you, but take heart. God is telling a story through you, even in the pain that you face. If you're investigating Christianity and you've never decided to follow Jesus Christ, He wants to lift the weight of pain and suffering off of you. He does. He doesn't want you to turn bitter or turn into despair. 
but he actually wants to come alongside you and lift the burden and walk through life with you. You have to decide whether that's true. You have to investigate. You have to ask the right questions, but there's a sense in which you have to come to the point. Am I going to bear this weight myself and hope my conclusions are correct? Or is there a God that actually wants to relieve the burden of pain that I experience? And so I just want to encourage you. If God's speaking to you today and you've never decided to follow him, we would love to help you learn what that means. If you decided you'd really like to make him boss and you'd like him to bear the burden that you can't face alone, then then we can help you do that. Uh, In fact, if you mark on the back of your connection card, send me info about beginning a relationship with Jesus, we can begin that conversation with you. So I want to encourage you in that. I'm going to go ahead and pray. As I do that, there's some next steps on the back of your connection card that you can fill out. The band's going to go ahead and come out, or come back up, I should say, and then we're going to receive our offering But on the back of the connection card, there's some next steps. There's some information that you can request, like I just said. And we'd love to help you uh, any way that we can. So take a next step today. Request any information, and and we'd love to get that to you. Uh, Let's pray together. Father, we, we do recognize that you give us hope in the midst of the pain. And God, I just pray for anyone that, that's hurting right now, just even here, uh, that they'll look to you and they'll cry out for help. And God, I pray that you will draw near to them as you promised to do and you will take the burden of the pain that they experience. And it may not be completely resolved, but we know that, that you do lead. And I pray for the thousands of people just impacted uh, in Nepal right now that are experiencing just even what we've talked about, just this suffering and loss. God, I pray that you will give them hope, that you'll allow them to realize that you are, you are there, you're not absent. And I just pray for all the relief and all the workers and all the people that are really trying to bring uh, hope and and to rebuild, God, that you'll really strengthen them. And God, in the midst of this, people will see that, that you really can bring healing. And so we, we pray for them specifically. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.